Hello, my name is Danny Cobb, and I'm a Dell Technologies Fellow. My current role is VP of Engineering for Dell's telecom systems business. I tend to specialize in those areas where emerging opportunity meets emerging technology. I tend to find myself at the beginning of um, startups, whether internal projects, external projects, I've even done a startup of my own. And, uh, and within Dell, uh, we regard the telecom systems business as the most well-funded startup in the telecom space. Will 5G change the world? You know, as a trained engineer, I'm tempted to provide a digital answer, a binary zero or a one, but that would make for a pretty short discussion. Uh, instead, I think the answer is really, of course, you know, 5G will almost certainly change the world. In fact, it, it, it already has. I like the phrase, it's not just another G. Like so much of the world around us, the uh, impact of 5G, you know, isn't, hasn't been and, and won't be linear. I dare say it'll be exponential. And exponential concepts are really hard for humans to grok. This is Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the usually weekly podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. But first, in an effort to get to know our guest a little bit better, we like to pose three questions from the Proust questionnaire. Danny, are you ready for those? You bet, Sean. Let's go. Question number one, who are your favorite writers? Whenever I think about writers, I tend to go in cycles. You know, you run into a, a, a mood where, you know, just reading a Stephen King at the beach or a Tom Clancy on a plane ride or something like that is always a good thing to do. But lately I've been going through more nonfiction and I find myself in one of those cycles now where uh, I go between Walter Isaacson and the way he can create the stories of these remarkable individuals uh, over history and sort of make you imagine what it was like to be there with them and watching them do what they do, whether it's Leonardo da Vinci or Benjamin Franklin or Steve Jobs. Uh, his book, The Innovators, uh, was really interesting for me because the time that it chronicled really paralleled my career in the computer industry, and it was just full of new insights there. So that's that's really interesting piece of nonfiction for me. Next would be Doris Kearns Goodwin. Um, she just has a way of capturing history and the events that were going on, and not just a factual recounting of of, of what was happening, but some insight into what was transcendental about it. What were the values and principles that were in play and how did they impact you know, the, the, the people that she's, that she's chronicling uh, throughout. I just love Team of Rivals. I could read that over and over again. And her most recent book, uh, Leadership in Turbulent Times, obviously are you know, good stories for us all to have in mind um, today. Lastly, I'd, I'd have to say Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, you know, not only is this subject matter fascinating, you know, like Blink or Outliers or talking to strangers, but I always come away from uh, a Gladwell book feeling like I learned something about the topic, but I really learned something about myself. So I'd have to go with Isaacson, Goodwin, and Gladwell today. And the second question, Danny, which talent would you most like to have? Well, Sean, at times like this, the ability to construct a coherent sentence comes to mind. Uh, but I would have to go with patience. Uh, boy, would I love more patience. For me, my natural instinct is to problem solve by opening things up and taking them apart, trying various ways to create uh, a new whole. Uh, it's not natural for me to painstakingly get all the way to the one perfect answer. Uh, I'm much better at finding a few plausible paths uh, going forward, exploring a bit, 
Uh, and I've always been jealous of those people who have the kind of patient analytical talents that lead them to the one best path. Um, you know, that's never come easy for me. And question number three, what is your current state of mind? My current state of mind? Well, I would start off by saying optimistic. Um, I'm trained in computer science. I've worked as a software engineer. And I think we're socialized from birth to be optimists. Um, I had a boss who used to say, uh, used to describe the difference between hardware and software engineers like this. He'd say, everybody knows that hardware will eventually break. And everybody knows that software will eventually work. So let's start there. Um, I'm an optimist. And I'm optimistic that we're at the beginning of something big right now. You know, it's technological, so there's a natural, you know, rational approach uh, to that optimism. But with 5G, there are so many things that are ripe to be rethought to take full advantage of the capabilities. So there's also a little bit of rebelliousness in how I feel, uh, I guess, you know, pushing against the boundaries, uh, not just taking the defaults and things. So let's go with optimistic and rebellious and rational. So Danny, first off, I'd really like to hear about your new role as vice president of engineering in the telecom systems business unit at Dell. I know you previously served as a fellow. So in this change, you uh, are now leading a team. So tell us about it. What are some of your priorities and what has that transition been like? I naturally gravitate towards version ones to that, you know, emerging technology meets emergent need, um, you know, sort of scenario. And I've been lucky enough, you know, first and foremost, and over my career to do that a lot, uh, a, a number of version ones of my time at Digital Equipment Corporation and Avid Technologies and my own startup and, and even at EMC. Uh, and I've gone back and forth between management and leadership roles and uh, technologically focused IC roles um, over that time. What I love about version ones is that it's all not figured out yet. You know, the roles aren't clear. The problems aren't clear. The technology is not obvious. The business need might not be crisp. Uh, in my role as fellow, uh, there'd often be, you know, a bit of individual contributor, technology, subject matter expert, you know, the ability to lead uh, and influence, uh, you know, as a set of behaviors. And, and I love doing that. But at other times, the need has been to identify the right problems uh, to bring a new set of talent together for a purpose and then to align on a sensible set of steps to take to get there together. And you know, to me, that's the essence of team building and the essence of culture creation. And it's a critical component to any version one uh, in order to get it off the ground. And I love that too. Um, I liken my job to, um, uh, I used to play a lot of volleyball in my youth. And uh, as you know, volleyball, you have six players on the court. And for some reason, my teams were always a little bit better when we were down a player, because with only five out there, you were extra adrenalized and you knew you had to play out of position. You knew you had to cover for each other a little bit, and you got comfortable doing that. And for me, that's this transition between fellow and, um, and, and vice president of engineering is the team needs me to play a different role now. It needs me to cover a different position. And, uh, and in this startup mode that we're in right now, uh, that's the perfect thing for me. It really plays off of, uh, off of my strengths and where I think I can have the most impact. And in this case, where I think, uh, you know, Dell can get the most out of this opportunity. 
So I wanted to use an example here from from Dell Tech World to kind of get a handle on this confluence of of technologies that we're seeing really fit under this umbrella of digital transformation. And 5G is just one of them, and we'll get to that. But uh, specifically, FedEx had their CIO, Rob Carter, on hand to discuss the high-velocity data flows, edge computing, artificial intelligence, and all these other technologies that allow them to improve operationally and then also tie those operational improvements to specific business outcomes. Um, after Rob presented at Dell Tech World, we saw an announcement where Dell, FedEx, and Switch are working together to put many data centers at FedEx facilities to kind of further this digital transformation strategy. So Danny, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about how this type of project is indicative of what enterprises are doing to tie technology to real business value and business outcomes. Yeah, we were all so happy about that that announcement and the the deep collaboration and and, and architectural work that, that was behind it. Um, you know, the, the three-way relationship is a really great way to see how 5G can contribute to creating an entire new architectural model. And, and, and as you said, Sean, you know, so many new technologies are bring, being brought to bear right now that uh, it's forcing us to explore some new architectural models. And, and, uh, and this particular situation with FedEx and Switch uh, is, is a really great example of that. Essentially, it's all about how can we inject some processing into the data pipeline as close as we possibly can to its source. By getting close to the source of the data, you glean insights from it the fastest. You identify risks the soonest, and you can make local optimization decisions uh, in real time. So for an enterprise, it's really a logical extension of their digital transformation initiatives all the way out to the enterprise edge. Any place, wherever that happens to be and whatever the business uh, happens to be engaged in any place that net new information is being created and there's a benefit to the ability to analyze it quickly, uh, react to it uh, in real time, or uh, do some take some um, action immediately to create value or reduce risk. And so uh, you do these sorts of things, not by shipping the data off to an intergalactic cloud somewhere, um, you do it by injecting it directly into the processor, taking a look at it immediately and reacting to it um, as, as fast as you possibly can. That's the fundamental thing about a lot of these net new edge architectures and what we talked about a lot um, at Dell Tech World. So uh, in that example, 5G wasn't specifically in the mix, but I wanted to maybe take that that premise and, and expand it beyond FedEx and just think about Enterprises of all different sorts, they obviously want to do this type of thing. They want to invest in it, and telecom operators are really eager to provide it, and 5G is just, just one piece of it. So, Danny, maybe you could give us a little perspective on how you see operators going beyond just providing that 5G pipe of connectivity to an enterprise and then really building out value-added services on top of it with things like edge computing, artificial intelligence, and some of these other technologies that we've talked about. Yeah, this is really uh, a place where a lot of these things all come together. And 
uh, you know, as they describe the rivers in uh, in Pittsburgh, you know, the confluence of all these ideas flowing into in, into one thing. And 5G comes along at the same time as a lot of these other technologies comes along at the same time as uh, uh, a lot of telemetry being thrown off by machines uh, comes at the same time as our ability to do a tremendous amount of analysis uh, across you know hundreds and thousands of processors on a chip in real time and generate insights. And so as all of these things come together, we realize that uh, we can also bring those capabilities with a technology like 5G providing essentially unlimited connectivity and bandwidth. We can bring those other technologies into net new places. So if it's, it's about the location of where we can do the compute, it's about the location of where we can do the data capture or where we can generate feedback and react to a pressing situation or opportunity. And those sorts of data pipelines that we're putting together there are really the polar opposite of the, the single, you know, mega cloud architectures where you have a, a few giant data centers that house, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of servers. In the case of FedEx and Dell and Switch, it's how do we take advantage of the geographic proximity where the data is being created and put a little mini data center right there. It's a model where uh, we want to create, you know, hundreds or thousands of mini data centers, small data centers to do the work, each with maybe just a few processors in it. So again, it's the, uh, it's the polar opposite of, the, of the, the mega hyperscale data center. And this is why enterprise edge and telco edge um, as architectures are really are so fundamentally different from uh, the, the giant cloud architectures that we're familiar with. In those cases, or in, in the case of 5G, it's now the enabler uh, for that friction-free last mile uh, brings together the communications part of all these new uh, processing pipelines. And if I'm an enterprise, I'm looking at, again, at all the places I might be creating data, all the places I might be able to consume data, every interaction of a machine with this environment, every interaction of my enterprise with a customer, uh, everything a competitor might be doing, the current weather, uh, any, any other uh, real-time sensor or situation that I, that I might be exposed to that can help me make a better decision or avoid risk or, um, or be summarized and saved to make a better prediction the next time I encounter uh, this type of situation. All of those things have potential value if you can gather the data at, you know, in the right place and you can do that initial analysis in the right place and 5G really becomes the enabler to do that. It's not just about the wireless connectivity though, it's about providing that foundational platform, that, um, that place where a single investment that I might've put out there to uh, you know, solve an industrial automation problem, uh, that now has a life cycle of its own. That now is a platform on which I can run an entire new set of future applications. So I leave the bespoke world of you know, machines that are focused on doing one thing and doing it well and kind of a closed loop automation sort of thing to a set of machines connected by 5G that can be continuously reprogrammed to do entire new jobs, to analyze an entire new set of data and maybe react to it in entire new ways as I learn more about the situation and as, as uh, progress moves forward. So those sorts of living edge architectures where now the edge itself is programmable uh, because of intelligent processing being out there connected together by 5G and bandwidth and low latency and all the things that 5G brings along 
really represent a whole new information platform for the enterprise itself. So when we look at 5G today in the U.S., we've got three tier one carriers that all have nationwide coverage, but this is very much a consumer facing service and it's not something that's uh, generating any new service revenue for them. So really, you know, the money is going to come from these differentiated enterprise services. And I, I think we've seen some projections from Verizon, at least that they expect that service revenue in 2022 but just from, from your side, Danny, from the point of view of Dell's telecom systems business unit, can you give us an idea of how your organization is working with telcos to help them monetize these investments in the 5G network and in the distributed computing that's necessary to really deliver those type of real-time applications? You know, Sean, a famous consultant once told me that there's three classic value propositions out there make money, save money, and stay out of jail. And, uh, you know, we've talked, uh, you've talked in this question about telco being able to monetize 5G, and it's really about how to bring all three of those uh, value propositions together in a way that's useful for, um, you know, for the average uh, telecom out there. As you point out, you know, the, the telecom's participation in, in, in B2C uh, use cases largely begins and ends at the unlimited data plan and uh, their ability to monetize that really, um, you know, was lost out um, against some of the over-the-top providers who were able to, uh, you know, monetize that, that bandwidth and that unlimited data plan with entertainment, with news, with audio, with video, and with a, with a whole other set of services that, uh, you know, that are coming, you know, largely from the, um, you know, from the, from the hyperscalers. Uh, but with 5G and with, uh, with all the opportunity that it unlocks, uh, you can erase the whiteboard and say, uh, first of all, how, is there anything I want to rethink about uh, business to consumer? But to your, to your point, I get an entire new opportunity to rethink uh, business to business offerings. And how can I, in my role as a telecommunications provider, you know, with uh, my ability to meet SLAs, my ability to engage um, you know, uh, in all sorts of uh, uh, environmental, you know, locations and all sorts of uh, use cases that are out there. How can I bring new value to businesses that uh, that I might not have been able to address before? So to enable that, uh, you know, and get back to, you know, how can I how can I save money? I've got to get deployment costs and operational costs under control. Uh, I can't just scale by adding humans, uh, you know, to to this sort of thing. And that's where a lot of uh, the notion of automation and autonomous infrastructure comes into play. That's where the realm of um, software defined infrastructure that the enterprise is familiar with starts to become, you know, the software defined open radio access network in telecom. And I start to address costs uh, by uh, moving to some of these uh, more commodity technologies that are, that are at a different point on the volume curve and, and a different point on the commodity curve. And, and therefore uh, more cost effective. Moving to that part of the curve comes with it, you know, a new way to manage, a need to, for a new way to manage robustness and resilience and risk. So in this new uh, disaggregated world, you know, you have to decide how you stay out of jail or how you meet your SLA or how you avoid paying penalties. And, and that really comes along with uh, the notion of who defines and who owns end to end when I'm putting together one of these disaggregated um, open software-defined uh, infrastructures out there. 
so that you know that deals with the uh, you know with the save money and the get out of jail uh, uh, say out of jail part of it. Uh, the last part of it, how do I make money, is really to look at 5G as this agile, flexible, nimble framework that's cloud native. And I now, as as a telecom, have an entire new platform that's out there, an entire new development model where I can generate uh, revenue from a whole new set of services uh, that can be created, deployed, and run with the speed and efficiency that people are used to from their own cloud experiences. And I can create and deploy and run those across their entire life cycle. And in this way, the telco cloud becomes uh, the basis and the platform for a whole new dynamic set of uh, these business-to-business -business offerings, a new way to engage with enterprise customers, and perhaps a new way to address some of the uh, consumer customers that I might have missed while I was doing unlimited data plans at 4G. So then back to our, our core question here, will 5G change the world? At the top of the show, you pointed out correctly, I think that it's it's not a binary answer. It just, it can't be. But in the course of trying to answer that question on this show, at least, uh, GDP is something that comes up a lot. You know, I've got lots of numbers in front of me that talk about tens of trillions of dollars over the next 15 to 20 years for different types of, of market evaluations. I just don't know if that's the right way to think about this. Your your colleague Vish Nanlal was on a, a recent episode and he related the answer more to seeing the results of disruption as new types of, of economies are created. And you know, there's just not one way to contextualize the answer to the question, will 5G change the world? But how do you think about it, Danny? Not so much the answer to the question, but how to answer the question. Yeah, you're right. You know, big question, you know, not the million dollar question or the billion dollar question, but the trillion dollar question. Uh, you know, I could never be as articulate as Vish when it comes to a, a, a topic this broad. But, you know, for me, the way I think about it is to put it in context relative to what came before. Um, you know, a lot of folks would say that, you know, if 3G was about anything, it was about, you know, the text message. And you know what can you do in 140 characters? 4G was about pictures and audio and video, and in in both cases, those were all layered on a set of services that were still fundamentally rooted in voice transmission. Um, so by their very nature, the, the the lowest layer was sort of you know what can be transmitted between two humans, you know, human to human bandwidth or human to human capabilities. Um, so those sorts of capabilities are fundamentally bounded by, you know, the limits of human perception. What can I perceive with my ears? Uh, you know, how long is a voice pause? How long is too long? Uh, how many, you know, packets can I drop before somebody notices that, you know, my voice isn't quite as resonant as it usually is when I'm in person? Or how many bits do I need to encode a piece of audio or video and still maintain, you know, uh, sufficient dynamic range and perception and quality and things like that. So. Each of those examples has a you know, fairly obvious and human-defined limit uh, associated with them. On the other hand, 5G comes along, you know, just in time to be inserted into these brand new machine-to-machine -machine pipelines that we were talking about. You know, the ability to take a whole bunch of high-frequency telemetry, jam it into some computing, uh, you know, where the bandwidth is measured at you know gigahertz and terahertz. And you know, compute elements have terabytes of memory, and 
you know, thousands of independent processing pipelines. And the only limit I have for how much of that stuff I can jam together in a, in a single space is Ohm's law. You know, can I get, you know, the power in, can I get the heat out? Uh, and so if you start there and you go, well, I don't have human limits anymore. My limits really are only about, um, you know, power consumption in an integrated circuit. You know, what, what does all that mean? And, and what I would look for is whatever fundamental economic limits we used to look at, um, I would find the ones that, that were largely gated by, you know, the local or global human population and the interactions of humans and, uh, you know, the, the Metcalf's law or, or whatever it was that, uh, you know, that, that started to, uh, you know, create exponential uh, effects to uh, the number of humans on the planet. And I would replace, you know, the population with the global or local population of intelligent elements. My refrigerator, you know, my car, uh, machinery on the shop floor, uh, you know, every, every block in an intelligent city, whatever that, that global or local machine population is, and whatever the aggregate bandwidth possible between all of them is that new fundamental limit. And obviously that's tremendously larger than uh, you know, the number of people on the planet and the uh, amount of information they can either produce themselves or consume themselves. So you know, those, those uh, interaction cycles, um, you know, the, the compute cycles that are out there, the bandwidth that's available, it's all going to be used for something. And I think that's where Bish was coming from when he was talking about disruption. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be used to make money, to save money and stay out of jail. And in any case, 5G is going to be right in the middle of it. Danny, I really appreciate you uh, joining me today, sharing your perspective and uh, answering that question. Will 5G change the world? Will 5G Change the World is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kenny. Thanks for listening.